This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So excited. I'm about to talk at 8.15 to... Someone I haven't talked to in 50 years. My classmate at Far Rockaway High School, Dr. Alan Moore. He became a dentist on Long Island. I'm a little nervous. I'll be honest. What am I going to say? I'm actually not nervous. I'm just so excited to talk to him. I looked at my high school yearbook there. He's got all this bushy hair. He's on the football team. He's on the baseball team. I'm on the swimming team. It's a different time. I graduated high school in 1975. I met him in 1971. Can you imagine? What a pleasure. And Alan Moore hit the home run. He became a dentist. And he stayed in New York. He's on Long Island. And, uh... I got inspired to call him because of the high school show we did with Eric Sondheimer from the L.A. Times. The power of high school. That was the topic of that show a couple of weeks back. And it made me think about the power of high school in my life. And I looked him up. And when I called his office, <laughs> can you imagine someone calling you? I want to talk to you. I, I, I last spoke to you 50 years ago. And he got on the phone. And I said, I'm doing this radio show for 11 years at ESPN here in Los Angeles. You need to be my guest. He says, what are we going to talk about? How two lunatics got out of Far Rockaway and made something of themselves? I said, yeah, that'll be a great conversation. So get ready for me. You'll hear it in my voice how much I love this guy. But it made me think all week. He's a dentist. What is it? that draws you to dentistry. In my lifetime, and I love the world of art, the world of sports, and my world of surgery, what is it that inspires someone to say, yep, I want to be a dentist? They're amazing. Because they have to work in a tight spot with high-speed tools. they got to fix problems. And they got to make them beautiful. It is a great profession for an artist who wants to be a scientist. It combines both. And since I believe the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery are the same, where in my lifetime, in the world of art, the world of sports, did I see that power of the dentist to be creative and imaginative? Well, you know I surf. It's a passion of mine. And those old black and white photographs of Palos Verdes and Hermosa Beach, these giant redwood boards, the first surf photographer was a dentist, Doc Ball, because he was the only guy innovative enough to figure out how to make the camera waterproof in a wooden box. And that housing, that camera box, is in the Surf Heritage Museum. Because only a dentist, Doc Ball, could figure out how to do that, how to give us and capture those pictures of surfers in 1930 in the water. Listen to the Surf Museum talk about their prized possession, Doc Ball's waterproof photography housing. This is one of our prized possessions in the California Surf Museum. It's Doc Ball's waterproof camera 
pretty much waterproof, in, meaning that he could get out into the waves, into the ocean, and take pictures, something which had not been achieved before. Doc Ball is a very charismatic early surfing pioneer. He happened to be a dentist. He happened to practice in the Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach area. That's right. Listen to her talk more about this waterproof housing. And sometimes there would be a sign on his door in his dental practice saying, surf's up, gone surfing, back in two hours, you know. So somehow he still made a living as a dentist. But part of his hobby and joy was sharing the passion of surfing. And he did that through photography. Mm. Um, he built this waterproof housing for a Graflex camera interior. He chose the Graflex because of its quality and because he could get very large negatives so that when he produced and developed his own pictures, as he did in a dark room in his dentist's office, he could sell them to his buddies who loved having pictures of themselves surfing. You know, they just thought that was the greatest thing. So for a buck a piece, it kept him in film <laughs> and it kept him covering the lost cause of his lost practice when he was out in the wave surfing instead of drilling holes in people's teeth. This is a hundred years ago we're talking about at Palace Verdes. 1920, 1930. So uh, the handicraft work here is phenomenal. Um, he built this camera in the late 1930s, and with it, he took pictures of surfing at Palos Verdes up and down the California coast from uh, Pedro Valley area down to the Tijuana Sloughs, and he documented all the known, known, mind you, 1930s surf spots of that time. Mm. And then he took the photos and his records of all these surfing areas, and he produced the very first book of surf photographs called California Surf Riders in 1946. So we're, we're lucky to have the camera that Doc Ball built, incredible camera. We're lucky that we have original copies of the California Surf Rider book. And it makes a beautiful story for our surf museum. I'll tell you what else he did because he was a dentist. He built his own surfboard at a Redwood because there's no place to buy a surfboard. He went to Hawaii, saw what the Hawaiians built, the ancient Polynesians, and built his own board. Listen to Greg Knoll with his prized possession talking about the board the Doc Ball, the board that Doc Ball built for himself. First board is docks, and docks. You know, as I look at this board here, <clears throat> I can see, you know, like on the rails of the thing. You know, if you look at them, they're almost square, so that you can see direct influence from the paddle boards here. Even though this is a solid redwood board, you're looking at a rail that looks damn near like a paddle board rail, and you look at the nose up here. I mean, Doc was right there when I shaped this thing, and he's giving me hell when I'm going too thin on the thing, and it. Uh, Think about that. Form and function, the life of a dentist. He can make his own board and he can make his own waterproof housing to take pictures. Only a dentist could do that. Doc Ball did that. What about in the world of sports, auto racing? If you're a dentist and you can tinker and you can be imaginative, you can change the world of sports car racing. And the dentist, Dr. Dick Thompson, did that and changed my life because he was the very first driver of the Corvette Stingray. Listen to his story. In 1950, Dick bought a brand new MGTD and ran some rallies and time trials with it. Well, one thing led to another, and before he knew it, Dick found himself headed for Sebring to compete in the inaugural event being held there. The fact that he had not driven even one inch in a real race apparently didn't concern him. With dentist friends of his serving his pit crew and the MG running flawlessly, the novice finished an impressive eighth. Unbelievable. Came in eighth in his very first race. Drove his car to the race at Sebring. Comes in eighth and drives the damn car back home. It's not like a precious thing. It's his car. And as he uh, won some races, the car, people began to look at the car and say, we can win with this car. 
And uh, uh, so they added people, added people. I think uh, he started in 56. Uh, by the time the June sprints rolled around at uh, uh, Road America, see, Bark Henry and Fre Fred Winbridge also had Corvettes on the track. And at the end of the, s the season in 56 at Thompson, Connecticut, I think they had nine Corvettes and seven Jaguars out on the, the track. So it was just, it was building a steamroller. And uh, uh, we have uh, uh, Dick Thompson to thank for all that. That's right, Dick Thompson. Thank you for my Corvette Stingray. Dick Thompson was always at the forefront. If anybody needed a technical driver, if they needed really the best there was, they'd put Dick in the car. And, and when Chevrolet, what a compliment to hear Chevrolet have their new wonderful little Corvette out and to have him be the first driver in that car to really uh, do something worthwhile. And that, to me, is what always Dick Thompson stood for. He started uh, uh, just like John Fitch did with, with uh, a car that, uh, frankly, wasn't really uh, race ready, and uh, per through per persevering, um, uh, organizing a team, uh, working with the mechanics, and his own outstanding driving ability, uh, he, he built, actually built the Corvette uh, reputation. Uh, before uh, Corvette came along, uh, the bigger cars in road racing were Jaguars and uh, uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, 300 SLs. He started uh, uh, just like John Fitch did with, with uh, a car that, uh, frankly, wasn't really uh, race ready, and uh, per through per persevering, um, uh, organizing a team, uh, working with the mechanics, and his own outstanding driving ability, uh, he, he built, actually built the Corvette uh, reputation. Uh, before uh, Corvette came along, uh, the bigger cars in road racing were Jaguars and uh, uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, 300 SLs because he could tinker. He was an innovator because of dentistry. Uh, after they came along, uh, all of a sudden you had the last race in the day was the Corvette race. And it's the thing that separates American from European racing. You don't get the, the big displacement V8s, and they're wonderful. They're full of enthusiasm. They're fast as heck, and uh, they're just a, a wonderful addition to the racing scene. Through his partnership, Dick was able to win his fourth national championship in only his fifth racing season. In 1960, Thompson campaigned, with his own money, the Stingray Racer. He was a dentist who brought that expertise of imagination, of daring, of understanding form and function need to live side by side. Your teeth not only have to look good, they have to work. Just like Dr. Doc Ball shaped his own surfboard and built his own photography housing in the 1930s. Innovators. That's what I love. That's what draws people to dentistry. And we're going to learn more from my next guest. I cannot wait to talk to him. It's been 50 years. The great Dr. Alan Moore. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. And don't miss Mason in Ireland back Monday at 1 on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Magandan Umaga. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Cells are just tiny people. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm just so excited to hear Kobe Bryant all these years loving the show. But I'm even more excited to hear my next guest. I haven't talked to this guy in 50 years. He's like a brother from another mother. The great Dr. Alan Moore. Alan, thanks so much for coming on with me. I appreciate it. <laughs> I was listening to ZZ Top. You're interrupting me. What are you doing? <laughs> Alan. I, I, my heart is beating with warmth right now. Just so is mine. I can't believe you just said that. I, it means fifty years we have not seen spoken. This is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. 
Oh, my God, I don't even know where to begin. But I want everyone to know who you are. So tell me, what part of Far Rockaway did you grow up? What did your mom, what did your dad do for a living? You have brothers and sisters. Let's go back in time about Far Rockaway. Oh, my God, best time of my life. I mean, you know, um, actually, I'm going to tell you a very funny story. Because reading some stuff about you, you gave some, some presentation to some local group. And they were talking about where you went to high school and that how Far Rockaway High School was not known for developing geniuses. So what happened? Where did we go to school? I don't know. I thought we both went to Far Rockaway. You were, you were on the swim team, I do believe, if I remember yes, correctly. I was. I wanted, yeah. that, that, I wanted to get that red and white leather jacket because I thought the girls would go crazy if I had that jacket. But you had the ultimate one. You had the one with the football player on it. Well, you know, some of us, some of us had some talent back in the day. <laughs> back in the day, back in the day. Jack, anyhow, Jack uh, Kirschman. Yeah, so, yeah, tell me yeah, about what, your life, though. We can talk about Jack Kirschman later. Kirschman later. Oh my God, yeah. You boy, you remember the names Kirschman and Miller, all those guys. That's yeah, right. yeah. So um, back in the day, so okay, so my dad owned a supermarket when I was growing up as a kid. He owned the Key Food Supermarket. Wow. And my mom was an active mom from when, back in the day when you and I probably, I don't know if you were, but I was Cub Scout, Boy Scout, so she did all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, she became a bookkeeper. Mm. My sister, who's a few years younger than me, um, actually became a hygienist and has worked for me for the last 30, I think 31 years. Your sister works for you in the office. Yes, she does. The best best hygienist on the planet. Oh, my. What's her name? Ruth Ann. Oh my and she God. actually, and she actually, I don't know if you remember uh, either Scott Young or Jack Young. Yeah, I remember. She ended up marrying Scott Young. <laughs> so, so Rockaway still stays around. What part of I grew up the end of Mott Avenue in Bayswater, like yep. right on Jamaica Bay, across you the street. Got it. Where right. were you? So you were, you were, you were a few blocks right before Maimonides. Um, I was at the. I was further up on Mont, actually on Mont Avenue, no way. Uh, between McBride and I think I don't even remember the other side street, but I lived in an apartment building uh, where. Um, but I spent most of my, my my weekends on your block, you know, between you and of course our good friend Lauren. Right. Um, uh, who else? I have some patients of mine that were actually. You remember uh, Phoebe Gladman? Yeah, she lived at the end of my street. It, right, one of Phoebe's cousins or something are the, uh, their patients of mine. So I, you know, Rock, Rockaway has never left. It's still stand in my shoes. Can I tell you something? I read all about Hurricane Sandy and how the the bay met the ocean. And I decided to fly back, rent a car to go see my old house because my father, the carpenter, mm-hmm. built a basketball court on a telephone pole. And I was so embarrassed because everything he did was meticulous that he right. took two months to build this crazy basketball court. Like, Dad, just slap it up. We want to play basketball. He's, no, Robbie, right. you have to do it right with shims and braces and all the rest of it. You sure, know, sure. You know, I went to go visit to see what happened to the neighborhood after Hurricane Sandy. The houses were destroyed. Everything happened. You know, the only thing standing was the basketball court my father built of a hurricane, the beat-out Hurricane Sandy. There you go. Sandy. There you go. Unbelievable. So take me through your life, Alan Moore. What is it, when did you know dentistry was something you wanted to do? Believe it or not, fourth grade. Wow. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll throw another name into the mix. So one of my other childhood friends uh, was Jeff Horn, who lived not too far from you. Yeah, I remember Jeff and, Horn. Yeah, and Jeff, and you know, Jeff, we were in class together, you know, and it, it, you know, in fourth grade, how do you know what you want to be? You want to be a cop, you want to be a fireman, you want to be, you know, a football player. I knew I wanted to be a dentist. I, I wanted that creativity. Um, wow. And uh, I just pursued the whole thing. So, um, you know, looking, looking back at it, uh, and I, just so you should know, through all of my training through undergrad, graduate, and then doing residencies, I was actually supposed to go into surgery. I was supposed to become a head and neck surgeon. Um, I was very, very intrigued when I did my residency, uh, you know, with surgery. Mm-hmm. And the attendings had said to me I had some, I guess, above average level of surgical skills, and they wanted me to go back at the time to get a double degree and go into head and neck surgery. Wow. Yeah, but uh, I kept, I did my thing, and I decided to go straight through to, just into dentistry. And then about eight to ten years into my career, I fell in love passionately with cosmetic dentistry, and ever since then, 
that's been my focus. So my practice has been developed into a uh, prosthetic and cosmetic practice. Well, i got to tell you, as an orthopedic surgeon, I'm going to be the first to tell you how much I appreciate you and your profession because most orthopedic surgeons will not give credit because they're not that way, but I will, to people like you, Alan Moore, because all of those porous ingrowth hip and shoulder replacements I do, that came from a dentist. What's his name? Brandewine? What the, what's the guy's name? Brandemark? Oh, Brandemark. Yeah. He's the one right. who figured out if you mimic bone marrow, you don't need to use acrylic cement to hold the right. post in the mouth. We right. took that from the dentist. God forbid we should ever give them credit. Here's the other thing. When I do knee replacements, even to this day, and I do hundreds of them every thousands over 33 years, you still use acrylic cement. There's a liquid, the monomer, the, the powder, the polymer. I got to mix it. We stole that. We learned. We took it from dentistry. Without you, and that's really what I, that's what today's show is really Did, all about. Didn't you, didn't you also, did you not develop some form of ultrasonic? Yep. Yep, device. because I went, my wife's uncle, Uncle Dave Beckman in Brentwood, was a pediatric dentist, and I had such a bad experience as a kid in Far Rockaway with a bad dentist who, you know, saw putting a filling in your tooth as a way to make a living and just drilled good teeth, and it was terrible. I had such, I, I didn't have this many cavities. He made such a mess. I never wanted to go to the dentist again. When I got married, my wife said, what's the matter with you? You got to get your teeth cleaned. No, nope, I'm never going to the dentist. I hit Robbie. You'll go to Uncle Dave. He's a pediatric dentist. He'll give you a lollipop. Relax. <laughs> so I, I'm sitting in the chair, and I'm white-knuckled. He looks at me and goes, relax, Robbie. I'm just going to clean your teeth. I go, how are you going to clean my teeth? He says, with this tool. He shows me a Cavitron. I go, time out, Uncle Dave. How's that tool going to clean my teeth? He goes, it's an ultrasonic tool. It's going to knock the plaque off your teeth. I said, time out, Uncle Dave. How is that thing going to crack the plaque and not crack the tooth? How does it know two hard substances? And he said to me, how the hell do I know? It's, I'm just going to clean your teeth. Shut up. Let me clean your teeth. So I did the research after he cleaned my teeth that day, and I realized, oh, my God, they use this in cataract surgery because of the frequency. It's a smart handpiece. It'll only crack plaque, not the tooth. They used it to build the Alaskan pipeline to go through bedrock. It's, it can distinguish different densities. And I said, you know what? We need this in orthopedics. And make a long story short, I patented ultrasonic chisels, and they're used all over the world now to do uh, revision hips, revision knees, revision shoulders, uh, all over the world. They even used it on one of the popes in Italy. I got a letter from Biomed about it, which is pretty good for a Jewish guy from New York that they use my tools go. on the pope. On the pope, on, on the, the pope. pope. Yeah, very good, very yeah, good. Exactly. Yeah, I very can only good. imagine the pope is in my waiting room with his outfit on. You know, t no copay <laughs> for that guy. Okay, he can. <laughs> so, so what I didn't know, what I didn't know is obviously, you know, in reading about you, after you called me and I look you, up, I look you up. You should only know how many things you could have done for me ah. as, a, as a patient. So let's just see. Let's just see. So, so, this, so this guy from Far Rockaway who played ball at the time, who used to be a big guy, now I'm a small guy. Yeah. Let's see. Four years ago, I had my hip replaced. No way. Uh, yep. Still can ski, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah, that was done at HSS. Who um, did it? Had, who did I, where I trained at HSS. Who did your hip? David Maimon. He came after. He's actually me. Maimon's actually from Canada. There's a few guys there. Paget was there. Paget. He's he and yeah. I trained together. Now he's the yeah. head of the hip service. Yeah, wow. yeah. So I did that. Let's just see. I had. Um, oh my god. Let's see. I had C five, C six plated in four screws. So I got implants on my neck. Oh god. Um, that was done by that was not ever part of pediatrics. That was done by a pediatric neurosurgeon wow. back in 2000. Yeah, uh, tore an ACL, but I rehabbed that. Had a rotator cuff, rehabbed that. What? So, 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 getting back to you and orthopedics, I don't know if if I lived in California, I would have been seeing you more frequently. <laughs> I could have gotten frequent flyer miles, man. Can I tell you something, Alan Moore? I actually saw you, but I was too scared to say hello to you. You know where get I saw you? You want to know where I saw you? Sure. I I was at the Sunny Atlantic Beach Club. And what were you I, doing at Atlantic Beach? So from 1984 to 1988, I made my poor wife, who's from Los Angeles, I said, because I'm training at special surgery in Manhattan. Right, right. I'm living in Manhattan, but one of the cool things is they let you have a parking spot in the bill. You live like a millionaire, even though you're a resident. And I sure. bought a Honda four-door Civic in 1984 so that I didn't have to take a taxi anywhere. It was great. I had a parking spot in the building. And then I said to her, 
we're going to join a beach club. My wife goes, oh my. she says to me, what's a beach club? I said, I grew up, I couldn't afford it, but I used to sneak in, climb over the wall at Capri Beach Club. Then I would That's... sneak into El Patio. I said, there you go. And she's from California. They don't know from beach clubs. She says to me, what the hell's a beach club? They're free. You just go to the beach. I go, no, no, no. not on Long Island. You don't do that. I said, we're going to go to this beach called the Sunny Atlantic Beach. She thought I was crazy. We parked the car. We go in, and there's like, you know, a thousand Jewish people yelling at each other. We go <laughs> into the beach club, and we sat. We plopped on the sand, and I'm going, I think that's Alan Moore. And I saw you, but I was too scared to go up to you. I, I don't know why I should have. I, that's crazy. That's crazy. But the, I'll give you another funny story since you're talking about your wife. So guess where I met my wife? Well. At Capri Beach Club. <laughs> so I was in Cabana. I was in Cabana C10. She was in Cabana C13. And I dated. I dated her Cabana partner for like God knows how long. And then after my first week of dental school, I show up in a. I, I come home from the weekend. I went to NYU. I come home for the weekend, and I go into a, a, a jeans store to buy a pair of jeans. And I see this girl, and I go. Okay, I know this is a classic line, but I know you from someplace. <laughs> and we start reminiscing, and she goes, "Wait a second, your mother had a long, had a long blonde hair in a braid." And I go, "Wait, and your cabana partner was so and so." And then the next thing you know, we're dating. So there you go, beach, beach. I'm telling you, beach clubs, Rockaway. <laughs> Listen, Alan, <laughs> what's, your, what's your wife do? She is a pathology. She's the head of the blood bank at Cedars. I met her, 1983. I'm an intern at Cedars. And the prettiest girl I've ever seen is walking down the sidewalk. So I don't know. I'm like going, oh, my God, I never saw a girl look that pretty in medicine ever. So I walk right up to her. This is July of 1983. I walk right up to her. I go, excuse me. She turns. She goes, yeah. I go, and you could hear me walking down the street, Alan. You know why? Because I had so many quarters in my pocket, okay? I was jingling <laughs> like Santa Claus coming down this. And I come up to her. I go, excuse me. Yes, she says. I said, do you have change of a dollar? I got more change than America has, okay, in my pocket. She goes, she looks in her purse, she gives me, I go, thanks. And then I couldn't think of anything else to say. She walks away. <laughs> and I met her, but I was going back to New York to do my residency. I'm only going to be at Cedars for a year for my internship. I, I dated her for three months, and I said to her, listen, uh, I'm going back to New York. You're really great, you know, uh, you maybe you should come to New York with me. You know, she goes, I'm not going to New York with you. What are you crazy? I'm from LA. It's it's nice to date you and go out with you. I said, Come on, you should come back to she goes, No. I said, Well, what if we got and I couldn't even say the word out. I said, What if we got ma 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 I'm married? I couldn't even say the word. She goes, Well, if we got married, then then I would go back to New York. I'm looking at her, I go, This is three months knowing her. I go, Okay. Will you marry me? She goes, Yeah. Three months. I said I said, Yeah, I'll marry you. I said does this mean you're going to come to New York with me? She goes, yeah, I'll come to New York with you. So I bring her to New York, and the very first day we're there, I'm at special surgery, 71st Street in New York. We got the great apartment. I got the Honda Civic, the whole bit. I'm there the first day. She takes my hand. We're in front of Sloan Kettering, busy, you know, the streets, York Avenue, the whole bit. She takes me. Come on. We can go now because the sign says walk. You know, the walk, don't walk yep. sign. It says walk. We can go now. I go, okay, time out. I pull it back to the sidewalk. I go, listen. That sign has nothing to do with whether you can walk or not. Let me teach you what it's like in New York. Because there's a rule. It's an understood rule that a cab driver will not look you in the eye as they run you over. I said, so when you walk across the street, you got to make eye contact with everybody driving. Forget about the sign, okay? Then October came, and she says to me, God, it's cold in New York. I go, it's October? Cold? Are you kidding? Wait till February comes. I took her to downtown to... Like Morton's. Remember Morton's Army and Navy store? I brought her 100%. Paragon, I think it was called. And I got her a down jacket from the top of her head to the top of the tip of her toes. I said, if it's October and you're cold, forget about it when February comes. It's unbelievable. Anyway, I have to tell you one other story because I'm interviewing you. I'm telling you all the stories. I'm at Cedars, 1983. I just met my first, like, like talking to you, first day I'm there. The nurse says to me, listen, you're on call today for the ICU. I go, I just got here. I just graduated medical. No, you're on call. She says, the nurses need to call you. What's your name? I said, my name is Clapper. She goes, Clapper? Okay, I got to write it down so we can call you. She takes the pen. She writes on the board, K-L-A-P-P-A-H, Clapper. I go, <laughs> she goes, is that right? I go, yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> she, went, she went to Fargo High School. <laughs> She's part of the No Genius Club. Oh, Come on. <laughs> Listen, Alan, can you hang on? I got to ask you a couple other questions. Can you hang on a second? I got to pay some bills. Go. Okay. All right. I'm talking with such great joy and love to one of the sweetest, nicest people I've ever met, the great Dr. Alan Moore, who'll stay with us. Let's take a break, Will. We'll come back to the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Sedano. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. <laughs> We're stuck here. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Don't listen to them. Don't even listen to Betty Crocker when she tells you how many minutes the brownies should cook in the oven. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710 home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Will, who the hell is this? ZZ Top playing this for Dr. Alan Moore, that's why. There we go. Oh, my God. Alan, today's topic, thanks to you, is about the magic of dentistry, that it draws you as a fourth grader the the idea of being both an artist and a scientist that you specialized in, the teeth have to look good, but they also have to work, form and function. My passions in life include surfing. I love Corvette Stingrays. So I want to play a soundbite. This is the first guy 100 years ago to invent the water housing for his camera so he could take pictures as a surfer in 1930 in the ocean in Palos Verdes. But I want to hear what you as a dentist for this beautiful career of yours, what you think about when you listen to someone taking those dental skills someplace else. Listen. So uh, the handicraft work here is phenomenal. Um, he built this camera in the late 1930s, and with it he took pictures of surfing at Palos Verdes up and down the California coast, from uh, Pedro Valley area down to the Tijuana Sloughs, and he documented all the known, known, mind you, 1930s surf spots of that time. His name was Dr. Doc Ball, a dentist who made his own surfboard, then made his own waterproof housing, as only a dentist can do. What does that sound like to you, that you are able to problem solve and work in the world of form and function as a dentist? You know, the creativity level is one thing, but it's taking it out, like say, out of the box. And, you know, if you have a hobby that, for example, with this gentleman with the photography and the surfing, you have the ability to see things. Um, it's almost like being an illusionist. You look at something, and if you can see the end product of it, you can take your skills, you can take the science of it, you can take the function of it, and, and create something. I mean, one of my personal frustrations is that, um, you know, if you said to me, draw a picture, and I know, Robbie, you're an artist because I've been reading about some of your stuff in Italy, but, you know, if you said to me, Alan, sculpt, sculpt a dog or paint a dog, my problem is I'd be able to sculpt or paint a perfect smile because I can only see that form and function in teeth. I don't have the outside ability to create something differently. Um, getting back to what I said to you earlier about the idea of being like a surgeon, you know, to me, depending on the level of surgery, you know, when you get into plastics and things like that, you're, you're doing a fine, a fine procedure. 
So for me, I would want to be able to figure out what I can do outside of dentistry in a, cre- in a creative world, but something that would be like really, sp- I'd say, super special. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, you mentioned your passion is, is surfing. My passion happens to be fishing. Yeah. I'd love to be able to develop something in the, in the fishing world um, with my hands. Because I, I think I have the creativity. Ocean fishing or lake fishing? Oh no, ocean fishing. I'm, I'm, you know, ocean fishing. So, wow. anything from bottom fishing to, you know, sharks, tuna, stuff like that. Really? Have you ever caught a marlin? Marlin. We've caught sailfish. We've caught mahi. Uh, largest, largest fish was a 418 mako out in Montauk with my younger son. Uh, actually, it was you mentioned the Hurricane Sandy. It was the week of Hurricane Irene that we uh, landed a 418 pound shark. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my hobby. So you're in the water. Like, to me, you're surfing, and I, I don't know if you know, like, right now in Florida, um, you know, there's so many sharks there right now. Right. Uh, being on, being, being, to me, being on a surfboard is like, you know, you're, uh, you know, it's uh, like, like being a pig in a blanket at a party. You know, you're, <laughs> you're ready to be plucked out. Listen, it's the sharks uh, with the gray suits, the lawyers that I'm more scared about than the, than the gray fish that I'm worried about. I hear you. I hear you. Ama- so you have two sons? I have two sons. I have an older son uh, who's in uh, – he owns his own commercial real estate company. Wow. Uh, and, uh, yep, and my younger son is uh, in uh, debt finance. Uh, both of them are living in Manhattan, enjoying life. Uh, my mm. older son actually just got married. My younger son is still single. Mm. Uh, and and he, they both enjoy life to its fullest. They got the greatest father that God could ever make. They got you got to repeat that. Wait, you got to repeat that loud enough so when they hear the podcast again, <laughs> you could you can ingrain that in them. Uh, and you? Any any kids? I have a daughter and I have a grandson and uh, it's oh, the greatest, grandson, very nice. Uh, he's four years old and he and I. I look at him and my wife, my daughter. They go. I wonder what he's thinking. I'm looking at the little boy. I'm going, I know exactly what he's thinking. He wants to pick that rock up and throw the light and knock out the street light. That's what he wants to do because that's what I wanted to do. But look at you. Your wife had to live with you and two boys. Is She needs like a zone defense, basically, to have all these men running around. Oh, that's, my God. That's, that's true. And actually, the truth, her favorite her favorite vacation, truth be told, we go out west every, every holiday, every Christmas week. Uh, we t- we typically go to Val, and her favorite vacation is that trip. And she doesn't even ski, but she has the three the three of us. Well, now the four of us because my you know we have a daughter in law, right. and she has us all captive. So she's surrounded by her three guys, and now she- and now she's got a playmate. She's got a daughter in law. Alan, it's been too long. I cannot wait to break bread with you. I can't wait to see you and hug you and kiss you. I can't wait to see you, my brother from another mode. Thanks so much for making time. And really inspiring us about someone who has passion in his life. And those patients are lucky to have you work on them. God bless you. So great to talk to you, Alan. Same here, Robbie. Be well. All right. You too. God bless. Talk soon. Bye. All right, Warriors. The number is 877-710-ESPN. I'm high right now. It was great talking to Dick Butkus and Isaiah Thomas and Dustin Hoffman and William Shatner and Tony Danza and all the guests we've had over the years. But that was... What a treat for me to talk to my good buddy, Alan Moore, Dr. Alan Moore. All right, I'll take your calls, tell some more stories. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior. The number is 877-710-ESPN. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Dr. Clapper says, measure twice, cut once. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. The Dr. Clapper dice, misura due volte, taglia una sola volta. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Back, Weekend Warriors. Love this guy. Can't even sing along. That's how well you know someone has talent. You try to sing along with them, they keep singing and you've stopped because they can hold their breath that much longer. It's like a surfer holding your breath under the water. Amazing. By the way, did you hear Alan Moore? He talks like me. I talk like him. Water. Idea. Soda. Love it. That's a New York accent. That's a far Rockaway accent. All right, let's do some calls. The lines are lit up. Got plenty of stories more to tell. Let's go to Mark in Culver City. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? 
Hey, Dr. Clapper, thanks for having me on. Oh, my, pl- my pleasure, and thank you. Thank you for listening. How young are you? What do you do for a living? <laughs> I am 28 years old, and I'm a mechanical design engineer. Oh, wow. Where'd you go to school? I went to school at UCSC. Um, I was on the rowing team there. Wow. I played base- baseball in high school and just loved all sports pretty much. Did you surf? I do surf, yeah. It's, did, did you surf at Black Speech? Did you surf at Black Speech? Oh, Speech? yeah, big time. Can oh, I, yeah. Then can, uh, I, can I ask you a question? Because it's, yes. it's a nude beach, Black Speech. Were you ever out there surfing <laughs> and looking not towards the horizon for the waves, but turning your board to look at the beach? Did that ever happen to you, Mark? No, if I, if I did that, then I'd get pummeled by a <laughs> six-foot wave, so I can't really do that. <laughs> I was the idiot out there on a nine-foot longboard getting hammered while everyone else yeah. was riding a shortboard. <laughs> yeah, the problem with a nine-foot longboard, Mark, I'll tell you right now, is it's too big to duck dive, and it's too little to turtle. So that's about the worst yeah. size board you could possibly ride. Uh, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And my friend Alan Moore is wondering, uh, he, he's not going to surf because he's fa- afraid of the sharks. Let me tell you something, Mark. When you pull that car of yours, your truck, with that surfboard sticking out the back into the parking lot. And now, for the first time, you get a glimpse of the waves. I can tell you, if they're peeling and it's glassy, there could be a barracuda, a killer whale swimming. I don't care. I don't think about it. I just yeah. want to get in the ocean, right? Do you understand that? Yeah, I totally understand that. Unbelievable. All right, I'm so happy to talk to you. What did you think about listening to Doc Ball building his own surfboard with Greg Knoll admiring it and building his own waterproof housing for his camera. How great was Doc Ball for all of us surfers? Unfortunately, I didn't get to hear his whole segment, but what I did hear was pretty incredible. Yeah, listen to the podcast. You don't want to miss it. He he really is the most underrated hero and we got a lot in surfing. Duke Kahanamoku, Bruce Brown, Greg Knoll. We've got a lot of them. But the, I would say the stem cell, the guy who really started it all, was a dentist, Doc Ball, who it's so hilarious to hear Greg. Yeah, I'm going to play this for you. Listen to Greg Knoll talking about Doc Ball's surfboard that he, that he built himself. You're not going to a surf shop in 1930. You've got to build your own board. Listen to him admiring yeah. And critiquing the redwood board that Doc Ball built for himself. Listen to this. You know, so uh, these are these boards, according to those guys, are just as accurate as the boards. I mean, they were right there, and they're just as accurate as uh, the boards they would have shaped. Uh, what are we talking about? 1930. I can't find a mathematician, but that's a while back. And the tail, basically, on the thing is real flat. And. Uh, the template shape speaks for itself. The bottom's real flat. There was no fin on this board, so the thing that kept it from side slipping is basically the weight of the board going through the water. The board's didn't. Can you imagine, Mark, how great that must feel where you take redwood, glue them together, and then shape the very board you're going to now surf on? That's like next level orgasmic, right? No, I can't. That's amazing. You, yeah. bet, you better put on that surfboard a cup of coffee and a cigarette because when you get out there, it is unbelievable experience. I feel like George Costanza, you know, when he put the bologna sandwich under the pillow and he's having sex with that girl. That's how, that's amazing. You, you want to put all your joys together in one act. You shape your own surfboard and go take it out. Come on. That's unbelievable. All right. How can I help you? I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to run out of time. I won't be able to help you. <laughs> okay, so uh, the main sports that I'm playing now are golf, tennis. Um, I play pickleball and basketball. Mm-hmm. About a year and a half ago, so I'm, I'm right-handed playing all those sports except for golf. I'm left-handed. About a year and a half ago, my forearm, the top of my forearm, right below the elbow. Yep started becoming unstable when I do delicate things such as putting and hitting a pickleball, which mm-hmm. is much lighter than, a, than using a tennis racket. Yes. Um, that's pretty much the only time that I feel the shaking. So to compensate for that, I now putt right-handed on the golf course. 
I don't really play pickleball much anymore. Um, yeah, I've just been trying to figure out how to fix this. So I try using a TheraBand, mm-hmm. but I think that made it a little bit tighter, maybe. Mm. I'm not sure. Do you have any numbness or tingling into your fingers? Um, not really. It's more of just I feel like I need to stretch it all the time, but it, it does go into my fingers a little bit. And when I now take your hand, your arm, and make you go palms up, is it on the thumb side of your elbow with your palms up, or is it on the pinky side of your elbow, palms up? It's on the thumb side. Okay. So you have a classic tennis elbow. Classic. What is a tennis okay. elbow? There are three muscles in your forearm that anchor themselves to the end of your humerus bone. It's not very funny, but it's the humerus bone, which is a right above your elbow. They're called the brachioradialis, the extensor carpi radialis longus, and extensor carpi radialis brevis. The brevis, these three muscles allow you to extend your wrist, which is needed to hold a racket, to hold a golf club, to hold a corona, whatever it is that you want to do with that wrist and hand of yours, you need to contract those muscles. And guess what happens? They pull themselves... The, the, the brevis pulls itself right off of the bone. It's called lateral epicondylitis, better known as a tennis elbow. Number one, I don't want anyone giving you a cortisone shot. Number two, I don't want anybody charging you for platelet-rich plasma or stem cells. Forget about it. Don't get talked into that because it doesn't work, okay? And it actually can be harmful, okay. the cortisone can. So none of that. They sell forearm bands, as we say in Far Rockaway. Forget about it. Don't you're not having a forearm, and you're not having a splint. You have a degeneration, and you don't need surgery for this, by the way. You have a okay. degeneration of the muscle itself. It's not inflamed; it's degenerating. Even though you're young, it's an overuse that your body is just not getting to where you want it to be yet. So. I want you to go to the Big Five or some sporting goods store. I think they're the only one left. Everybody else went out of business. And buy yourself a five-pound dumbbell. And I want you to hold the dumbbell palm down with the dumbbell facing the ground, palms down. Support your forearm on the table, okay? And I want you now to extend your wrist with the dumbbell. Do a few pumps and trust me. You're going to go, ow, that hurts. Put the dumbbell down. Yeah. Uh, an hour or two later, pick up the dumbbell, pump it again till it's fatigued, till it hurts. Put it down. I need you to do this four or five times during the day. What you'll be doing is strengthening the muscles that remain. It ain't going to happen overnight. It's going to take you probably three, four weeks. But I'm telling you, okay. Mark, not only will your pain go away, but it ain't coming back again. This is what you're going to okay. do. And I'm telling you, you're not my first rodeo. This is going to get you better. If, God forbid, what is okay. it now, February, you'll do this February. If April comes along and you've done what I said, and God forbid, which you're going to be fine, but if you still had pain, you need to call me again. All right? Okay. All right, Mark? Okay. Listen. I'll be doing it every day. You're, you're a total stranger to me, which I love. You now today, go find a total stranger. You go do something nice for them like I just did for you. That's how you'll be thanking me. All right? Will we'll do. Thanks so much. Right. You're amazing, Dr. Tucker. Love your show. All right. Thanks for listening, and thanks for the kind All words. Right. And I'm doing it so I know people like you are listening. So God bless you. Have a great day, and go Rams. All right, Warriors. Oh, my God. I talked to Alan Moore, my classmate sitting next to me in biology 50 years ago. I haven't talked to him in 50 years. I'm still high from talking to him. It's just fantastic. And that's what I love about this show. I have no idea where these are all going to go, but I love connecting the dots. He's a dentist, Alan Moore. How great to be able to talk about Doc Ball, the surfer, the photographer, to talk about Dick Thompson, the first Corvette driver, a dentist. Who knew? It's just awesome. So let's talk about next week. 
Next week, calling in from Raleigh, North Carolina, thanks to the great Jared Abrams. Mazel tov, Jared Abrams, by the way. That's an inside information, but mazel tov. Something great's happening to him today. He hooked up with this guy, Victor, who's going to be our guest next Saturday. What does Victor do? Victor makes, in Raleigh, North Carolina, organic denim to make jeans. And everybody wants this guy's pants that he makes. It's called the Raleigh Denim Company. He started it. By the way, Victor is a surfer, which is really going to be fun to talk to him. He was just in Puerto Rico. I was talking to him this week, surfing Rincon. But he's going to be my guest. And I'm thinking to myself, why would you go in? What is it? And he was a winemaker. He was a waiter. He did all chef. He did all kinds of things. But now he owns this Raleigh Denim Company. Why does he do? Why did he drop everything to go into this business? Wait till you hear the reason. But it made me think all week already about denim. By the way, you know why it's called denim? Because day is of, neem is a town village in France where the cotton came from. And the big crates was called day neem from neem, France. And who bought those crates? You know who bought those crates? Levi Strauss in the 1820s. 1830s in San Francisco when he was making tents, canvas tents for the gold diggers, the gold miners. Remember uh, the 49ers? We hate that team, but they're called 49ers because in 1849, that's when they discovered gold. So everybody left their job to go find gold. Well, Levi Strauss wanted to supply the miners with tents until one day the miners said, Levi, with all due respect, we don't need tents. We need pants. Take that canvas that you're making the tent out of and make pants out of them. So you're going to hear the Levi Strauss story and denim. And what about in the world of sports? Well, what does denim have to do with sports? Wait till you hear the story of rodeo riding and the cowboy. They're wearing jeans, right? You ever wonder where the Marlboro Man came from? Philip, Philip Morris, the tobacco cigarette company? You got to hear the story of the Marlboro Man as it relates to denim, as it relates to cowboys and what happened with that company. It's a fascinating story. I cannot wait to get into it. And by the way, my favorite bagel from New York, God bless Alan Moore, he's the reason I'm thinking of it, is a salt bagel with cream cheese, and it's warm right out of the oven. But the salt has to be a crystal, a granule, so your teeth can taste it and touch it. And the best one in L.A., a New York salt bagel, is at the Bagel Broker, Beverly Boulevard and Fairfax. You can get the other bagels if you want, but do me a favor. Get the salt bagel, get the cream cheese, sit in the car and enjoy yourself. It'll be an amazing moment. Thanks for listening. Another Saturday. Go Rams. Thanks, Will. Great job. And I'll see you next Saturday on the radio. I'll leave you with Volari, which means I'm singing and I'm flying, which we do each and every Saturday. Thanks for telling your friends.